Hello and welcome to an emergency version of the In The Money Players podcast. I'm your host, PTF, here in the hotel in Baltimore. Apologies for the background noise. We've dealt with dodgy hotel Wi-Fi before. We are now dealing with dodgy hotel construction, but hopefully we can suffer through it, especially if I mute when not talking. Our guest today to give us an update from the grounds has been out there for most of the week. She is Naomi Tucker. Naomi, how are things? Very well, Pete. It's always good to be on again with you. And yeah, dodgy hotel Wi-Fi. I feel like we've gone through through it all. So <laughs> at this point, we should be used to it, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And we can, we can make it so the listeners don't suffer. Of course, the big news of the day, First Mission will not be competing. There were some whispers yesterday about a notable scratch coming, and we, we have this that information now. Um, I had seen First Mission video of him. He had looked fine to me. I'm no vet. Um, what, uh, what, as far as you know, happened? No, same for me, Pete. I thought he looked really good on the track. Uh, very unfortunate that OCD reported there was a left hind issue. OCD, they're, they're being extremely thorough in the veterinary uh, process here at pre, uh, on Preakness Week, as you would expect. So hopefully it's nothing too serious, but it just means he won't be able to compete uh, tomorrow in the Preakness Stakes. But yeah, I, I, I kind of... I, I, I'm sorry for the connections. I'm sorry for everyone involved with him. I, I really liked him. I thought he had a really strong chance as well. So yeah, just very, very unfortunate, but hopefully he'll uh, come back to uh, enjoy his racing career yet another day. That's the plan. And it definitely changes the race complexion wise for me. I had been thinking first missions presence was going to basically spell doom in this spot for national treasure. Cause I figured he wouldn't really let him out of his sights with, uh, our man the other day from the MHBA on the show, John Piasek, made it sound like he did not think the plan was going to be to send coffee with Chris at all. That might leave National Treasure alone out there uh, on the lead. And I think now he's the horse that poses the biggest threat to Mage. I'm hoping Mage breaks well and gets a beautiful trip right in behind. And, you know, that's the result I want to see happen. I will definitely be using Mage in my two-day bets. JK and I just did a whole show on plus going over the two day wagers, obviously mage, I think is still the most likely winner, but I wonder if just from a strict wagering point of view, national treasure doesn't become a bit more interesting. Now, how do you see the Preakness now that we know first mission will not be competing? Oh, for sure. It changes the complexion of the race and national treasure being on the rail, having the blinkers being put on by Baffert all indicates that they want him forwardly placed. I did get the chance uh, to speak with Bob this morning and he said it's actually more small cut blinkers. They're just kind of trying to to figure him out a little bit still and trying to keep him focused. Uh, He has got that natural speed. And like you said, now that the other supposed speed horse that was on the outside for his mission won't be competing, it looks like the only one that could perhaps early on run uh, with National Treasure would be Coffee with Chris, the local hope, the Maryland bread. Of course, we haven't had a Maryland bread win uh, the Preakness since 1983, deputed testimony. So it'd be so lovely for the home team here uh, to have Coffee with Chris in the winner's circle. Now he does have to find a bit on form. So, you know, he's 20 to 1 morning line for a reason. But from a pace standpoint, those are the two horses that you would be looking for. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mage up closer than he was in the Kentucky Derby. Of course, he won his first race on the lead. He hasn't been breaking 
as quickly as of late. I know at the beginning they were a bit worried about that, but they have actually kind of now accepted the fact that that's what he does, how he runs. But when you have a smaller field, I expect him that when he breaks to still stay with them and not leave him too much to do. I hope so. Is And is that where you're sticking as far as your selection goes? You're hoping that Mage can get this thing done and go to New York in three weeks' time with a chance to make some history? I hope so. That would be such a wonderful story. Of course, Gustavo Delgado, Gustavo Delgado Jr., Javier Castellano, all the owners, Ramiro Restrepo, OGMA Investments. It's such a wonderful story. Uh, repping Venezuela as well, of course, the Delgados as well as Javi. Uh, the, the energy at Churchill Downs was absolutely incredible. I'd love to see them back in the winner's circle. I think for them, of course, uh, the fact that First Mission is out does help them as well in, in that relation. And on paper, Mage is very much the one to beat, as you'd expect of a Kentucky Derby winner. So in the end, yes, I am siding with Mage. Um, I had National Treasure in second at first. I actually now have him in third because the more I kept looking at Blazing Sevens, the more intrigued I was by him. Of course, Chad Brown has won the Preakness twice already. Cloud Computing, early voting, both bypassed Kentucky Derby, but they did go the Wood Memorial route. So slightly different campaign for them. But still, this is a trick that Chad Brown has pulled a, a few times. I could see it. And maybe he sneaks away at a better than should be price. I mean, I'm not, I'm still not convinced how good he is, but I mean, he's certainly one we need to be talking about now and credit to Chad and connections. I mean, he puts his chances in the best place to win and he's been able to win classic races with horses that weren't necessarily among the best of their generation by cleverly spotting them. And he's certainly putting blazing sevens in, in, in the right spot here from a percentage wise to, to maybe be able to annex a giant race. And, and it could be, you know, he's got that grade one as a two-year-old, even a second here enhances his possibilities as being a, a stallion down the line. And, and should he win all the more so. What else did you see out there, Naomi? Obviously doing an abbreviated show here, but uh, want to know what else you saw out there this week in the mornings that might help our listeners betting over the course of these two days. I th- obviously, as you'd expect, the majority of all the, the greatest stakes runners look very good, right? They're the best of the best. They all came down here to find their trade. So a lot of them look stellar. I think actually from a trip note point of view, I thought Perform was really interesting. Uh, for Suge McGay. If you look back at Federico Tessio, he actually only had a small stumble. It just looked like he couldn't go with the pace, and that's why he dropped back. But what I was most impressed with is that down the lane, he had to wait quite a bit twice, actually, before getting a clean path and being able to make his run. And once he did, he was so quick to accelerate. You don't tend to see that as much with dirt runners. We expect that from turf runners when the surface gives a bit of bounce back. Not always the case on the dirt and perform did that. So I felt like that was a sneaky good run of him. Now, look, he is a closer. He has to make up that ground. It is possible here at Pimlico. But of course, when you're looking at the trends, you always do see that horses coming just off the pace or on the lead tend to do a little bit better. But I, f- I find him interesting. You know, he I see a scenario. I'm not going to bet it, but the, the scenario would be maybe Mage breaks really well and gets up in that pace. So then he's not necessarily going to be flying late. Maybe he's worried about spying on National Treasure and maybe they actually go too fast uh, at some key stage of the race. And maybe one like uh, Perform could come could come running. I mean, it's an interesting, it, it's not an inconceivable notion. It's probably not how I'm going to play it, but I could see for folks playing super, certainly um, this is a horse. Now I think you certainly can't rule out 
of uh, of second, third, and fourth, even if he's not quite the quality to to win. Anybody else catch your eye in one of the non Preakness races, or have you been mostly just focused on the big one in the work you've been doing for World Horse Racing? Mostly been focusing on the big ones. Now it's also easy to spot the Black Eyed Susan horse because they also have their names on the towels. The rest of them, you're kind of guessing, right? You're like, I think <laughs> that's him or her, and you hope that you're kind of right. Um, but obviously, Pfizer. Uh, is looking sensational for Bob Baffert. It's going to be, what, 75 morning line, unbeaten filly. First time shipping, but Bob said that she handles everything in her stride, which is very, very good to hear. And if you look at some of her pace, she just kind of towers over the field in there. And, you know, normally you try to stay away from a favorite, right, when you're looking at these big races. So it's more fun to try and find another horse. But with her, she seems very hard to ignore. And I do like sacred wish as well i did see her for trainer george reaver she's just a really strong looking filly uh quite taken by her Gulfstream parks oaks run because that was the first time she was going long the first time she was going up against winners and uh, she really did power home quite strongly look she didn't get to affirmative lady who then went on to the kentucky derby ended up having a little bit of a bad start so she kind of wasn't able oh the kentucky oaks excuse me of course the kentucky oaks not the derby um she wasn't able to sort of make her mark there but i thought sacred wish ran a really really good race in second there and is certainly ply to do well stepping up to the mile and eighth distance for the black eyed susan i think she can continue improving Second time going longer is always a strong angle to use. So I have her in my exacta. Love it. I'm glad to hear that. You know, we're friends with the whole black type team. And I, I wrote an article on the website about the success they've had. I know Jake wasn't thrilled with the inside draw, but clearly in the right hands to negotiate a trip from down there with John Velasquez up. And, and I agree. I like the idea of trying to mix her in with FISA in that uh, in that black eyed Susan. And, you know, the price is going to merit inclusion, I think. The other runner I was going to maybe mess around with in the Black Eyed Susan was the 10 runner Taxed, who comes out of the fantasy, a race for whom, for which the form isn't working out great. But Taxed is a horse I would have liked as a big long shot for underneath in the Kentucky Oaks. So I'm probably supposed to use her second and third in the Black Eyed Susan as well. That's good stuff on the reporting, especially on FISA. Glad to know she's doing well because I do think she's going to be very, very tough to keep out of that exact on the known form. Just an improver who looks like she could be the fastest of her her generation. We'll learn a lot more uh, in just a few hours' time over there at Pimlico. I know uh, we both have to get ready and get back and, and get out there, Naomi, so I won't keep you unless you have any closing thoughts for this emergency pod. I'm quickly going through my stakes picks because I remember I had a few sort of longer shots, but it's obviously it's 14 races. So I'm really trying to go, oh, which race was it now? So let me really quickly scroll back as I'm stalling, which we like to do on this podcast quite eloquently. It it gives me a good (laughs) chance to point out that you can get all of your picks for Saturday as part of our picks grid um, on the In the Money Plus side. So you have that extra show if you sign up for Plus with me and JK going over the picks fives. We're going to have some extra written content. And then we've got grid picks and all the Saturday stakes from me, from JK, from Nick, from you, and from Tyler. But yeah, I'm all for giving away one or two of your strongest ones here on, on the free side of things. So uh, let us know if you see something interesting.
sorry, just, just unmuting myself. We do have a, a fair few people that come in and out of the office. So just wanted to make sure that I'm not on mute anymore. Like I just was for two seconds. Um, I really like Jewelstone in the opener. That's actually not a stake series. I ended up looking, uh, it turns out that some of my price plays are not in stakes here. I think Jewelstone number six in the opener for Mike Maker, 10 to one morning line, mile eighth on the turf here. She's just much sharper on the turf, I believe. And this is going to be uh, his, he is, uh, this is going to be a second try in sort of his current racing cycle. He didn't switch leads last time. So I think he tired a little bit. I think he's very interesting in this spot because he can rattle off strong enough splits. And Louis Saez has won on him in the past. I like that idea very much. You want to throw one other out there on the two days and then we'll let you go? Yeah. For the other day as well, really quickly, I pulled up my uh, Preakness card here and did get the chance to look at tomorrow, as you'd expect. We have a quick look. You can still again. Have you got another plug? Have you got another plug to use? Sorry, well, the other, I let you plug what you're doing because I me- I mentioned World Horse Racing, who you work for from time to time. But you're actually going to be you're working with first. Are you going to be on the on the simulcast feed? I am. I am. They're so kind uh, to have me back again uh, on the feed, which is really nice because obviously my Maryland family, everyone's been so so good to me. So it's great to be back on air with them. Just. You know, talking about what I'm seeing throughout the week and really looking forward to it. I got the chance to reunite with Keith Fusel yesterday on the morning show as nice. well. So that was that was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's always nice to be back. And look, there's plenty of action going on with 14 races a day. Oh, and Bruno Mars is playing, which is cool. Yes. I'm try and meet him. It's never going to happen, but I need to try. <laughs> so so that that's my plan. Um, I do have a bit of a price, but 8-1. to one, in race number eight, that's the dinner party mound eighth on the turf. It's Rising Empire for trainer Brendan Walsh. Really liked his race two starts back. His career best came over this distance. Kind of flopped a little bit last time in the grade two Elkhorn, but that was because he was going a mile and a half. And he much more prefers the mile and eighth. It was just a touch too far. I think I'm going to fly a little bit under the radar because you have the likes of Hurricane Dream for Gray Motion in there. Atone for Mike Maker in there. Of course, one, the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational. I'm going with a bit of a price bet there. You never know what, what's going to happen uh, on the turf over that mile and eight. I like it, Naomi. We appreciate you squeezing us in today in a busy day. We'll look for you on the simulcast feed. I'll see you over there at Old Hilltop and uh, have a great, great couple of days. Awesome. You too, Pete. Thanks for having me. We'll thank Naomi one more time. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you for listening. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.